Hello and welcome to Unity Presbyterian Church Online. This week in worship, Pastor Dana takes a look at the passage in Revelation where God says He is the beginning and the end. Let's listen. Well, as you know, last week we celebrated Easter and we had a full day of celebration here at the church. Our worship services started at sunrise. So we gathered for a sunrise service at the Wong's home and then we had two full worship services here in the sanctuary. It was a great day of celebration and I'm sure for many of you, those celebrations continued on in your homes as you left from here and went and had an elaborate lunch or feast with your friends and your loved ones. Uh, for me and my family, we gathered together and we have ham and green beans and macaroni and cheese. These are the staples of Easter. If they weren't there, it would not be Easter. But for many of us, that is what Easter is about. It is about coming to church and having a worship service. And then it's about going and having a large meal and celebrating with those who you love. Perhaps some of you even had an Easter basket that you got to open. And then Monday comes. Monday arrives again and the routine starts all over and you head back to work. Or if you had Easter Monday off, maybe it was Tuesday before you headed back to work and the grind starts over again. And for many of us, we don't think about Easter until it rolls around the following year. And this is what uh, we have been conditioned to do. This is our societal norm. This is our societal uh, thing where we just gather and celebrate for one day and then we don't really think about Easter until the following April. But Easter in all of its glory is actually supposed to be celebrated for an entire season. The 50 days following Easter is known as Easter Tide. And Easter Tide quite literally means Easter season. Tide is this old English word that means portion of time or season. So Easter tide starts on Easter Sunday, and it carries us all the way up to Pentecost in May. And the reason that we have an entire season to celebrate Easter is because Easter Sunday, as wonderful and as glorious as it is, it only allows us to go so deep with the message of the resurrection if we only celebrate it for one day. Easter tide, on the other hand, it opens up this whole new territory of learning and reflecting. Easter tide, the season of Easter, is that's what allows us to let the message of the resurrection truly sink into our hearts and minds. This season of Easter tide is what affords us the opportunity to reflect more deeply on the message of the cross, Christ's death, his resurrection, and what that means for all of us. During the season of Easter, many people will turn to books for further reflection. Eugene Peterson, he was the author of the Message Bible. He wrote a book on this topic as well. It's called Living the Resurrection, the Risen Christ in Everyday Life. In this book, Peterson reflects on what it would be like to live out the resurrection in our everyday lives, how it would change the way that we viewed the world, how it would change the way that we related and interacted with other people. Eugene Peterson wrote a second book on this topic. It's called Practice Resurrection, a conversation on growing up in Christ. And it truly is a book about how to practice the resurrection throughout your day-to-day -day interactions. It gives you real-life application. 
So these two books help people to reflect a little bit more on the meaning of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And I'm sure that there's many other books out there that people gravitate towards so that they can think about the significance of the cross. For many other people, they turn to scriptures. They turn to our scriptures and they think about what those verses say about the character of Christ, his death and resurrection. For instance, some people reflect more on what the resurrection says about the character of Christ in the book of Acts. Or they ponder what it actually means that death has been swallowed up in victory, as recorded in 1 Corinthians. Or they turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians and they reflect upon the fact that the very power that raised Christ from the dead is available to each of us this day, present day. Where one might think about how the resurrection of Jesus is a precursor to their very own resurrection, how it points to our eternal salvation. These are all really big topics. These are really important aspects of our faith that we need to comb through that we need to take time to unpack. And that is what this season of Easter allows us to do. As we all take some time to recognize that Easter is a season, it gives us a chance to take the truths of Scripture, the message of the resurrection, and to let it percolate in our hearts a little bit longer than just one day. It gives us an entire season to have an intentional focus on the message of the cross the person of Christ, and to think more deeply about who God says he is. So as we explore that topic this morning, as we reflect on the meaning of the cross and what scripture tells us about who God is, then I want us to turn to a passage in Revelation. It's Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. These verses say, This letter is from John to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ. He is the faithful witness to these things, the first to rise from the dead, and the ruler of all the kings of the world. All glory to him who loves us and who has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. This letter starts out by asserting who it is written by and who it is written for. John tells us that he has written this letter to the seven churches that are in Asia. In this particular time frame, ancient biblical times, Asia referred to the Roman province. Uh, present day, we would refer to this region as Western Turkey. But let us not skip over the fact that John has used the specific number seven. In our present day and age, we might completely gloss over the fact that he is addressing the seven churches. But in this particular time frame, the number seven represented divine significance. Seven was a signifier of completeness or perfection. So the use of seven here suggests that the book of Revelation was not just written for those seven churches in Asia Minor, but rather it was written for the whole church of Christ. It was written to those who make up and complete the church universal, including all the other small communities of faith that were throughout Asia. So after John has signaled the attention of all the churches, all the followers of Christ, he says this important phrase, 
He says, grace to you and peace. Now, this phrase was important for a couple of reasons. Particularly during this time period, the greeting grace and peace was most important because this was the era of Pax Romana. Pax Romana means Roman peace. When the book of Revelation was written, it was a time frame in which peace was believed and understood to be granted by the Roman government. This time frame was marked by frequent warfare, and peace was only granted to those who were privileged or those who were elite, those who were favored amongst the eyes of the Roman government. Peace was either bought or it was earned by those who pledged their loyalty to the Roman government. But for many people, peace was not what they experienced. And for Christians during this time, they most certainly did not experience peace. Christians were the ones who had pledged their loyalty to Christ, not the Roman government. So they were persecuted. They were punished at every turn. So here in this passage of Revelation, John is summoning the hearers and the readers of this region. He's summoning all the churches to not hear the imperial propaganda, to not worship Caesar, to not believe in this notion of Pax Romana, that peace is only granted through the Roman Empire. This greeting of grace and peace informed the Christians and those locales that they could find their peace in Christ. He was saying to them, the worshipers of Christ, that they share in Christ's victory over the grave, that it was Christ's death and resurrection, his triumph, over the grave that would grant each of them peace, a peace that would surpass their understanding, a peace that is eternal, a peace that didn't have to be bought or earned. So the context of Revelation is a group of people who are oppressed, discouraged by the Roman imperial system, and they are losing hope about life, losing hope about their life, losing hope about their faith, They're confused about who they can place their trust in. And then here enters John, saying to them, Grace and peace to you, my seven churches. Essentially, a saying that grace is peace, and it's by the grace of God that they would experience the peace of Christ. He was informing them that this was a type of peace that was for everyone, not just the privileged, not just the elite, not just those who were forced into submission under imperial rule. It's a type of peace whereby the walls of hostility were broken down, where worshipers could see themselves as belonging to a whole new worldview, a worldview that was ruled by God. And then John goes on to describe this in more detail. He goes on to describe who God is and assures them why it is safe that they can place their trust in God. Verse 8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. Here, God is describing himself as the Alpha and the Omega, and we understand that to mean that God is the beginning and the end. Just like Bailey pointed out in her children's sermon, the first letter of the Greek alphabet is Alpha, and the very last letter of the Greek alphabet is Omega. Therefore, God is saying, I am the beginning and the end. I am in all things. All things have been created by me. All things will end with me. In essence, it means that 
God is the Almighty One, the all-powerful, the all-encompassing One, the One that creates all and is in all until the very end of time. In these very few verses, in the first chapter of Revelation, John was giving the churches of Asia Minor a sign of hope. It was a message of hope and encouragement during their time of despair. And it's a message of hope and encouragement to each of us, even present day. It's the reminder that the God that we love and serve is the Alpha and the Omega, that he has created this world and all that is in it. As you all are probably well aware, there is a beautiful and massive cathedral in Paris. It's called the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Several years back, this beautiful church caught fire, and 400 firemen responded to that fire, and they fought it for hours and hours and hours. Unfortunately, this historic church suffered a significant amount of damage. The entire backside of the cathedral was reportedly damaged. One of the spires had collapsed, and the sanctuary was a heap of burnt remains. It was a tragic fire that saddened and affected millions of people. Prior to this fire, this massive cathedral had been under renovation. They were just doing some basic repairs and renovation. Um, However, they couldn't raise enough money to cover some of those repairs. They even floated the idea that they would start to charge admission to the cathedral so people could walk through and see what was taking place, and perhaps those admission fees would cover the expenses of the repairs. The French bishops rejected that proposal, and it was soon after that that this church caught fire. And within 24 hours of this fire, close to $700 million was raised to cover the expenses from that damage. Present day, over $1 billion has been raised to cover the damages from that fire. Within minutes of this church catching fire, our internet was flooded with pictures and images and videos. In one of the videos, I saw this woman who was visiting Paris, and she just happened to be staying at the hotel across the street from it. And so she was able to capture the whole fire from her telephone. And in that video, you can see people flocking around this church, and they were praying together, and they were singing in unison. They were singing these hymns. They were serenading the church building. There's another uh, video that I saw where people are walking all around the streets, around the cathedral, just singing and praying. And here's a short clip of that. this video, you can very clearly see the Parisians grieving and mourning the loss of this historic church that meant so much to them. Afterwards, I came across an article that was written by John Pavelitz in response to this fire. The title of that article is called, Notre Dame Reminds Us That We Belong to One Another. 
In this article, he states, the world is rightly grieving the destruction of Notre Dame right now because it reminds us of a truth we so easily forget. We belong to one another. Watching the flames swallowing up such a universally beloved testament to the staggering creativity that humanity is capable of, we recognize how tethered to each other we are, how fragile and fleeting everything here is. In a time when we are conditioned by our leaders and our news to be violently tribal, the fires toppling Paris's iconic spire burn away the many and common trivial territorial impulses, and we are left with just our naked, unadorned oneness. We are left with the reality that we are all in this together, despite the story that some might tell. And I think we can all get behind this article that John Pavelitz wrote, the story of this tragic event and how this fire drew so many people together. It drew people together instantly as they started praying and singing with one another. I think we can agree how this tragedy and all tragedies in life draw people together and remind us that we are connected. They remind us that we have more in common than we sometimes realize. What an important message and reminder for all of us. It's a visible reminder of how Christ pulls us together. He creates community and unity. Christ, Christ creates one universal church, one body of believers. That is why John started out this book of Revelation, this letter, by saying, greetings to you, my seven churches. He used that number seven to emphasize how we are all in this together. We are all connected. Another very meaningful and powerful message uh, was an image that was captured from the sanctuary in Notre Dame. This is a picture of the cross that was on the altar in the sanctuary in Notre Dame, the cross that was still standing amongst the burnt remains. One article pointed out, while mostly everything inside the cathedral seemed to be damaged, from the flames or covered in smoke and ash, the giant white cross in the front of the building was miraculously captured, still standing and lit up amongst the darkness. Many other articles referred to this cross as a sign of hope. As Christians, we know and understand the image of the cross to be the ultimate sign of hope. That is what Easter is all about for us. And that is what this season of Easter asks us to do, to meditate on the cross, to meditate on its message, the message that it holds for each of us. And for that cross that was left standing amongst all the burnt rubble in that sanctuary, well, what a great depiction of the hope of our faith. It's a hope that never fails, a hope that never ceases to exist. It's a hope that doesn't burn down with the rest of the building. It is a hope that is from everlasting to everlasting, from the beginning of time to the end of time. This is exactly what God meant when he said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. This week, on the first Sunday of Easter Tide, we are to meditate and reflect on what that means to us. What does it mean that God has said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega? You're invited to let that phrase, that wording, 
soak into your hearts and minds and to speak to you in a special and unique way. It's a reminder for all of us that no matter what happens in this world, no matter how heartbreaking and tragic it can be at times, God is over and above it all. God is the almighty, the all-powerful, the all-encompassing. And he is powerful enough to resurrect new life from death. This Easter season, we are asked to embrace that truth and to find peace in knowing that the God that we love and serve is the Alpha and the Omega. Amen. If you would like more information about Unity Presbyterian Church, please visit our website at www.unitypres.org or visit us on Facebook. This is the Unity Presbyterian Church Podcast. Have a great week.